Hello, this is Allison Carter, Occupational Therapist with the Milestones Podcast. This is episode 92, and today we'll be continuing on with the topic of teething and feeding. Although for this one, I will be providing a case study that will give examples of food play therapy and what it can look like. I will take you through my thought process on what therapy might be like for this example. But first, though, let me remind you that you can support me by doing a couple of different things. One of them is by purchasing CEUs of this show on my website at mymidwesttherapy.com. Not only does that help me out, but you also get the benefit of completing some of your license requirements. Look for the yellow Add to Cart buttons under Specific Episodes. You can also help by doing your online shopping using one of my Amazon links from my website. Finally, becoming a Patreon member is another way you can support me, and you will receive additional member-only benefits by joining. You can click the Patreon button on my website or just go to patreon.com, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Milestones Podcast. By supporting me one of these ways, you will directly contribute to more content and episodes being released for everyone to enjoy. Speaking of Patreon, though, I wanted to give a shout out to Michelle Greenewald for becoming a super patron yesterday. Thank you so much, Michelle, for supporting me, not only by joining me on Patreon, but also for purchasing some of the CEUs for the podcast. I really appreciate all of your support. Now on to today's show. I wanted to get more specific for you all because I want this to be clear. Since each child and situation is so unique that it's difficult for me to do that. I can't cover every possibility because, of course, they are endless. By giving you an example of a case study, I'm hoping this will help you determine what the strategies are or might be and how to use the different strategies and what this might look like for your own kids or for kids that you work with. Now, this example today is completely made up. It is not based on any one specific child or situation, although I have seen many different versions of this type of situation many times over the years. I'm not actually discussing any specific individuals or cases. So today I'm going to talk about a made-up child named Blake. Little Blake is 12 months old. He was born full-term with no known complications in in utero or at birth. He does not have any medical or developmental diagnosis at this time. However, he has qualified for the state infant and toddler program due to a half-age delay in language and motor skills. This means that he tested at or below the language and motor skills of a six-month-old. One of his mom's main concerns is with eating. He is still taking eight-ounce bottles of formula as his main source of nutrition. She says he will take approximately five to six bottles per day. He will occasionally drink two to four ounces of juice from his bottle during the day also. Otherwise, he is eating approximately two to three tablespoons of stage one baby food one to two times per day at the most. Mom has been hesitant to push foods because he tends to gag frequently on the stage one baby foods that she does give him. She reports that he does not bring anything to his mouth on his own. No foods, no spoon, 
not even his hands or fingers, and no toys. And he never has. He never went through the phase as an early, as an infant, when he was putting everything into his mouth. She would like for Blake to start eating a larger variety of foods by mouth so that he can get less of the nutrition from bottles and eventually, hopefully sooner than later, get off the bottles completely. To put all of this in context, I would generally expect to see a 12-month-old who does not have feeding issues or other medical concerns or developmental delays, finger feeding himself, eating table foods, especially soft solids like bananas or cooked carrots, oatmeal, yogurt, toast or pancakes and scrambled eggs, things like that. I would also expect them to be able to chew these soft foods and start to eat crackers and, and things like that too. They should generally, generally speaking, get approximately 16 ounces of milk per day. And they should be able to drink from a cup when one is offered. So if you walked into their home with this information, where would you start? The first things that I think of are sensory and motor skills. Based on the information given, what do you think might be going on with his sensory processing system? Without ever having seen this child before, I would guess he may have some tactile and oral sensitivities. The first thing I would do is ask mom to show me what it looks like when he eats his usual foods. I would like to observe what a typical mealtime looks like for them. This means mom is doing what she normally does with him while I'm there watching. I'm not going to step in or set up the mealtime or feed him. If I'm going to make a real difference here, I need to watch how things normally go for them at mealtimes. Believe me when I say that just observing a mealtime routine will give you a lot of information. You will gain quite a bit of insight by observing the routine. There will be things that you see that mom may not have mentioned because maybe she didn't think of it, not, necessar not necessarily because she left them out purposely. They may just be things that she didn't think were relevant or necessary, or they may be things going on that she really hasn't even noticed herself. After observing the mealtime, then I hope to help mom by most likely re recommending small adjustments to their typical routine as appropriate. So mom places him in his high chair, and he's not upset by this. She places his bottle of formula on his tray and continues on with the meal by offering him bites from a small plastic infant spoon of stage one sweet potatoes. He opens his mouth for the spoon, and after five bites, he gags on the fifth bite. He then continues to take approximately six more bites before turning his head and refusing to eat any more bites. He picks up his bottle and begins to drink from it and proceeds to drink about five or six ounces. Now, some things that I notice while mom is feeding him. He does open his mouth for bites from the spoon when he wants them. Mom feeds him so carefully that she either doesn't get any food on his face at all, or when she does get some on his face, she immediately wipes it off with a wet wipe. He does not attempt to reach for the spoon or the jar of baby food at all other than maybe to push the spoon or her hand away from his mouth or face. 
The high chair tray is so clean after he's done eating that there's literally no need to wipe it down at all. He will take bites when he wants to, but doesn't show a lot of active interest in the food or the feeding process, meaning he doesn't get especially excited about eating, but he doesn't get too upset by it either. He's just pretty neutral about the whole thing. My final observation is that I notice how the mom is acting during the entire process. She seems tense or apprehensive at first. Then when he starts to gag and refuse bites, she sighs and says, he's done, knowing that he won't eat anymore for this mealtime and looking like she knows that this will just never get better or change. She's not mad, but it's like you can cut the air with a knife because of all the tension and anxiety that she's giving off with her body language. This is one thing that we need to watch out for and be aware of. Parents may not say it out loud, but when I say something like, a lot of times when kids have difficulties with eating, mealtimes can be stressful for everyone involved. Usually when I say something like this, parents will let me know they agree with that statement. And then when I say something about really wanting mealtimes to be relaxing and enjoyable for everyone, that it can be a positive social time of the day, and this is what I will try and help them with, this is when I have seen time and time again is when the caregiver starts to relax or feel like there might be a little bit of, of hope in the, in the whole situation. What I have seen time and time again is when the caregiver is putting out stressed or anxious vibes and the kids pick up on those signs and they often feel stressed or anxious too. The child may have their own nervous feelings surrounding mealtimes, but those feelings can become intensified when they subconsciously sense that their parent is feeling it too. So we're not just thinking about the child, we are thinking about the parent or the caregiver as well. I will look for ways to help them feel more comfortable with mealtimes. When mom indicates that he is done and he won't eat anymore now, she gets him down out of the high chair and he goes off to get a toy from across the room, carrying his bottle along with him. Given this information, I would ask you, what would you suggest to this mom? In my brain, now that I've observed a mealtime, I'm still thinking about sensory and motor difficulties, but I still want to get more information at this point before I can give mom suggestions and strategies for what to do next. So this is when I will start to set things up so I can observe some additional activities, things that were missing from the mealtime that will give me more information about the child. I want to see how he does with some sensory and motor activities. When mom gets him down from the high chair, I'm watching him to see what he does in the environment. I want to see what he chooses to do on his own terms. What does he play with, if anything? And this gives me a chance to watch him move around his home to observe some of his current gross motor skills. And yes, I said gross motor skills. We already know he is delayed in motor skills from his initial evaluation, which qualified him for these services. The delays could be split between fine and gross motor. I want to observe him moving around because I want to see what he looks like. What are his gross motor skills 
at this time and is he showing signs of postural instability? There may be some type of weakness in his body, could be in the core or hips, uh, lower extremities or upper body and shoulders, or even head and neck. When there are gross motor delays or some postural instabilities, there is a chance they are going to be delayed in some fine motor skills also. This is not always the case, but is something to consider as a real possibility. Delays in fine motor skills can affect their ability to feed themselves or actively participate in mealtime. I'm also informally assessing what his cognitive skill level appears to be. Is he showing an understanding of toys and how to play with them? How much is he interacting with people and objects in his environment? This didn't show up on his evaluation as an area that qualified him for services, but that doesn't mean he is at an age-appropriate level in this area. He could still have some delays in cognition that are not severe enough to have qualified at a half-age delay. All of these things will help give me an idea of where to start with suggestions for mom. The next thing I would like to do is talk to mom about tactile sensory play. I will coach her on how to set this up, and we will actually go ahead and set this up right now. We need to be considerate of how we go about this since we are in someone else's home, at least in my situation, I work in people's homes. Some things to consider are finding a place where the parent is comfortable with a mess happening, considering which food to use for play because it could be seen as a potential waste of food and therefore money by the parents, and whether they have anything scheduled after this appointment today because they may want or need to give the child a bath afterwards, which could affect their schedule for the day. I often have single-serve packages of things like Jello or pudding with me for situations like this, now, I leave them in my car, but I will offer them in cases where the parent seems hesitant to do the activity. They won't have to worry about wasting the food they spent their money on just to see what this food play looks like. Even though jello or pudding may not be the most ideal foods for a specific child to use for food play, it can at least give us some information about their sensory processing and where to go with it next. Sometimes, though, I will not offer that because I know that if we use what they have in their house, they will be more likely to possibly do the activity again during the week without me there. You just have to weigh this all out and go with your instinct most of the time. I would really prefer that we use a food they have in their home also because I would like to start with a food that the child is already comfortable with eating. If a food is familiar to them because it is something they like to eat, they're going to be more likely to be okay with also touching it. If we start with a brand new food they've never seen before, we run the risk of them refusing to touch it simply because they are suspicious of new foods. That is a common trait with kids who have tactile sensitivities or avoidance. One of the observations I mentioned during the mealtime was that the tray was just as clean at the end of the meal as it was when they started, and the mom immediately wipes off any food that happens to get on the child's face. This is an observation that can give you some insight into the situation. It usually goes in one of two ways. One is that the child doesn't like 
when food gets on his face and his mom has just learned to wipe it off right away so to avoid having him get upset. And two, that mom wipes his face right away because she can't stand to have it be dirty or messy. This is why she tries so hard to not get any on his face in the first place and why none of the food actually goes onto the tray. In the second example, the child may or may not have any sensitivities to the food being on his face. This can go either way and needs to be explored to figure out which one it is. In the first example, we know that he does have sensitivities because he is the one that gets upset if the food is on his face. The confusing thing with this situation is that a lot of times the child will be upset with the food on their face, but they also get upset when mom wipes the food off their face. This is not because he is confused about what he wants. It is because both of these things feel bad to him. He has such tactile sensitivities that he has a hard time with both sensations. Parents don't always understand this until I explain it this way. They can't understand why he would be upset when they wipe the food off because he doesn't like when the food is there. In this situation, a good strategy is to begin teaching the child how to wipe their own face with a cloth or napkin. If they have control over the wiping, they will be able to tolerate that part of it better. It can take some time to teach them how to do this, of course. What I like about that is that it takes it off of mom. I really don't want her to wipe his face clean during the meal anyway. If possible, I want him to get food on his face while he's eating and leave it there as long as possible during the meal. This often takes a lot of restraint for parents who don't like the messes. I try to teach them that it is okay for kids to get messy and it's actually good for them because it can help them be willing to try more new foods and be less picky. Also, that if they get used to the feeling of the food, they will hopefully not get as upset during meals and mealtimes might be less stressful overall. Now for the second example where mom is the one who wipes his face because she doesn't like the mess and because she has her own tactile sensitivities, we may figure out that if we leave the food on his face, he won't get upset. He's actually fine with it. Or he may get upset and then we have both mom and Blake getting upset about it. Either way, I will work with mom to have her not wipe his face for him. This will be hard for her to resist, and it is even harder for her to act like everything is just fine if Blake starts to get upset when she does leave it on his face. It will be really important for her to change her actions during meals. One, for her to not wipe his face, and two, to put on a, see, I'm smiling and everything is okay face, even when he gets upset. He may have his own actual sensitivities, but when he sees that mom is also struggling, it can make things seem even worse in his mind. On the other hand, if mom looks calm and happy, he will have a better chance of being more relaxed too. If we figure out that it is just mom that has the sensitivities and she gets bothered by the food mess, we still need to work with mom on not wiping his face and not cleaning up the mess until the end of the meal. Otherwise, there is a risk that her actions will cause Blake to think there is something wrong with being messy, 
there's something bad or negative about it. And she could end up causing him to avoid messy play when he would have otherwise been just fine with it. In that case, I wouldn't consider that an actual sensory processing issue for him. I would consider that more of a learned intolerance or a learned reaction. Think of it like this. You go out to lunch with your best friend to a new restaurant you've never been to before. Your friend orders something off the menu that you've never heard of before, while you order something like a burger that's just a pretty common item. When your friend gets their meal, you watch intently as they take their first bite and to see how they react. Is it going to be good or disgusting? Whatever their reaction is, you are likely going to have a similar feeling about that food, even though you haven't even tasted it. If your friend says it's good, you think you might try it next time or even take a bite of hers today if she's willing to share it. But if your friend makes a disgusting face and practically gags on it when they take their first bite, there's probably no chance you are going to taste it now or ever, even though there there's a chance that you might actually like it even though your friend didn't. That is kind of the same concept with a parent and their child, when the parent has a sensitivity but the child actually doesn't. The child may decide not to try food based on their parent's reaction to that same food. If the parent tries the food and has a negative reaction after tasting it, the child is less likely to want to then also try that food. They probably assume that it's bad or yucky based on their parent's reaction, which is unfortunate because it may be a food that the child would actually like even if the parent doesn't. And when it's the parent, the child will see this over and over again, not just here or there at lunch when you decide to go to a new restaurant, like in the example of the two friends. We know that this does happen, but it is not as common as when the mom or the other parent and the child both have legitimate sensory sensitivities. For that reason, let's say we figure out that both mom and Blake have legitimate tactile sensitivities. Neither of them like the messy feeling of food on their hands or face. Both of them would inherently like to wipe it off or clean it up right away or just avoid it in the first place so they don't have to feel it at all. In this case, I will work with mom to set up an activity. I would ask her to get one of his containers of baby food that he really likes a lot. Actually, we're going to get two of the containers. And I would also have her get out um, two cookie sheets and a clear plastic bowl with about one inch of water in it. Usually I would use like a Tupperware container or something that doesn't tip over too, too easily because it's maybe a rectangular shape or something. And I like the clear container because the child can see the water and any items that might go into the bowl. Then we choose a place for this activity to happen. One that mom is comfortable with, um, with having a mess in, and one that is easy to clean up when we're finished. Usually we'll find a place somewhere in the kitchen, maybe on the floor or at a small play table. If it's nice outside, we go out on the back patio or the front driveway. Basically, I'm looking for anywhere the child won't associate with meals. So not using their high chair or booster seat at the kitchen table is my preference. 
I don't want to put them on high alert before we've even started the activity. We want them to go into this activity thinking about playing rather than eating. It is a good idea to have either um, hand towels or paper towels close by as well, but preferably not necessarily visible to the child. I like to try and keep those out of the activity if possible or wait and use them when it is really necessary. Like if the child is upset about their hands being messy from the food or from the water. I try to save that if possible so the child doesn't rely on the paper towels throughout the entire activity. Although there have been some cases where that actually worked out better because the child was able to wipe their hands on the towel and then continue playing in the food again throughout the session. That is one of those things that is really a trial and error case-by-case situation. I would like to avoid the child touching the food and immediately wiping it on the towel so they are not really experiencing the the messy feelings on their hands for more than just a brief second. The hope is to get them to play longer and for a short time, hopefully forget the fact that they are touching the food rather than uh, constantly thinking about wiping it off and staying as clean as possible. Before starting the activity, I would also have mom gather some of the child's toys that he likes to play with and ones that are okay to get messy and wet. Things like little people figures or other little characters or animal figures that can get wet. I've also used cars or trains or shapes from shape sorters. Pretty much anything that goes in water and that will easily fit into the container. I also like to find things that can be dunked into soapy water so we can actually clean them after. Keep in mind that some kids will get upset when their toys get messy too. So either have the water ready so you can easily clean them to show the child that it will come off, or use toys that they like but aren't necessarily their favorite ones and they might be more willing to let them get messy without making the child upset. Let's say for Blake, it is a beautiful fall day, so we decide to take it outside on the back patio. We have our two cookie sheets, two containers of sweet potato baby food, a clear Tupperware bowl halfway full of water, a couple of empty plastic kid-sized bowls, some paper towels, and Blake's Paw Patrol character toys. We sit on the ground and place the cookie sheets down in front of us. I model opening up the baby food container, and Mom places an open one in front of Blake also. Then I dump out about half of the food out of my container and onto my tray. And mom asks Blake to do the same thing with his. If he doesn't do it on his own or he needs help, mom can show him or she can just do it for him. I usually keep some of the food in the container in case I want to model dumping it out again and adding more to the play at some point during the activity. Next, I start to touch the food on my tray with my hands and I ask mom to do the same thing with the food on Blake's tray. I will usually start out with just using one hand at first, but make sure that I get my whole palm on the tray and in the food. I do this because I want Blake to see me doing that and I want his mom to imitate this too so he will see her doing it. This will show him that we, especially mom, is touching the food and she seems to be fine. It doesn't look terrible. 
Of course, mom may be feeling terrible on the inside, but I'll make sure and encourage her to look happy and like she's having a really good time touching the food. I know that if mom looks like she's having fun and she doesn't have a negative reaction, it will be more likely that Blake will join in and touch the food also. If or when Blake touches the food at all, we will verbally praise him for it. We'll make sure to notice immediately when he touches the food and just say something positive like, oh, I like how you're touching the food too. Even if he barely touches it with the very, very tip of one little finger, I will praise him for that right away. I try to say something positive while also describing what he is doing or describing the activity in some way. For example, wow, you dipped your finger in the food. And then take the attention off of what he's doing and label what mom is doing and make her compare make the comparison between them. Mom is dipping her finger too. I'm going to do it too. Dip, dip, dip. Oh, mom is going to smash the food and have mom touch the food using her flat palm and say smash, smash, smash each time she does it. That looks cool. I'm going to do it too. Smash, smash, smash. And hopefully he will venture out to try and touch his palm or at least maybe some more of his fingers than just the very, very tip. Again, if he does anything at all to touch it, talk about it and describe it in a positive and hopefully reinforcing way. Notice that I haven't said anything at all about asking him to touch the food or asking him to taste the food in any way, shape, or form. I am cautious of this because I know that a lot of times, the second you ask them to do something, this will put the child on the defensive, and they will frequently become suspicious of what we're actually doing here. A lot of kids get up and leave the activity when someone asks them to eat something or ask if they want a bite. These kids are already on high alert with having the food out in the first place, so putting any type of pressure on them can just send them over the edge, and they may decide to get out completely. Make sure and tell mom before we start not to ask the child to eat, taste, or try the food. She can model doing it and talk about it and talk about how it tastes good, but not ask him to do it. In fact, while we are modeling touching the food with the palms of our hands, I will often take a little taste off my finger, hopefully purposefully while Blake is watching, and then continue touching it again on my tray. This is also why I have my own tray, because I don't want to share germs either way with them. Um, I don't want to dwell on the fact that I tasted it. I just want to model it, move on, keep playing, keep smashing or poking. I want him to notice me tasting it, but also notice that it was pretty uneventful. Nothing horrible or scary happened when I tasted it, and the play just continues. Sometimes the child will actually taste the food off their hand after seeing us do it first. If this happens, of course, you're going to say something about it. Wow, you did it too. That was good. And, and then I would also taste mine right away again, just to encourage a possible imitation with this kind of activity. The reason that I'm not recommending that you make a big deal about him tasting it or touching it is because a lot of times kids who are sensitive to tactile sensory stuff and have feeding sensitivities also tend to react negatively to direct praise, clapping, potentially loud or unexpected reactions from other people. If the child you are working with 
isn't like this, and they actually like to be directly praised and clapped for and make a big deal of things, then you obviously want to do that instead. If Blake doesn't taste it again after I model it another time, then I'll just continue with touching and playing it, playing with the food with my hands. And I would begin to use both hands also during this activity. Remember that I don't want to feel, I don't want him to feel like he's being pressured into eating or tasting it. So I try to take the focus off of that part of it pretty quickly and move back to just the play and touching. I really hope that he will touch the food with his hands and be able to do this without getting upset. Generally, I, may, I might make circular motions in the food with my fingers on the tray and erase the circles with my whole hand, make more circles or up and down lines or zigzags, anything that is something I can draw and give a name or a sound to at the same time. For example, when making circular motions, I will usually say around and around and around and around, or I'll sing the wheels on the bus while drawing them, the circles. Or for the lines, I might just say up and down when drawing these motions. Sometimes I'll make a zip sound when I'm drawing it across the tray. And it doesn't matter what you do or what silly sound you come up with. Just um, try to give it a sound with the motion because that can help make them, that can help them connect it. Maybe making some motion with their finger in the food on the tray and making some type of sound an imitation will happen. Um, that's kind of what we're hoping for is to get some either gesture imitation by moving their hand in the food or just making the sound or both. And of course, we're expecting mom to imitate what we're doing or even branch out and make her own motions and sounds based on what she thinks that Blake might like better. Obviously, she knows some better. She may have some better sounds and, and motions. If Blake is not touching the food at all or interacting with it directly, I, am, I would switch to using one of the toys that we brought to the activity. Mom and I will each take one and we'll place it on our trays. Then we'd move it around in the food. If it's a vehicle, we'll drive it around and make the vehicle sounds. We talk about how we're driving on the road or racing around the racetrack, driving a train on the tracks. If it's a character, we'd make up some scenario that fits those characters being in the messy play. For example, dunking the character's head in the food and then asking, where are their eyes? I don't think they can see anything now. Can you help me find their eyes? And you can show them how to wipe the eyes off. Well, you can do it using your finger. You can have mom do the same thing with hers, and maybe he'll reach out and want to help mom find, find the character's eyes too. The hope is that Blake will pick up one of the characters and maybe also dunk it in in the food and cover their eyes too. He may be very cautious and careful not to get his hands in the food, only the toy, and that's okay. If he continues to play with this longer, he is likely to eventually accidentally get some on his hand. And if he does, remember to remain calm, cool, and collected. Don't overreact and coach mom through the same reaction. Show him that he can dunk his hand in the bowl of water at this point and clean it off all by himself. He can also put his characters in there and give them a bath to get them cleaned up. If this happens, the water will no longer be clear and clean. So when we dunk them back into the food and then Blake wants to give them a bath again, they will be going into water that is not necessarily going to be the cleanest. 
And that is a good thing for him to experience too, because it will, for the most part, get the toys cleaned off and it will help Blake experience touching the murky water to put them in or to get them out. If he really needs it because his hand is still messy after touching the murky water, you can offer him a paper towel or a wash rag, especially if he's upset. If possible, try to give it to him and let him do it himself. I want to try and change the narrative of him getting upset by the messiness on his hands and mom cleaning it up for him. To where now he has the control over cleaning or wiping his hands off. For one, now he can do it for himself, which is a really great self-help skill to work on anyway. But also, he most likely won't be efficient at cleaning them up completely so he can begin to deal with them not being perfectly clean during the activity. Then after we're done and put everything away, he can have his hands washed and mom will help them, help him clean them up the rest of the way. This, this is a good practice for him and for mom. Trust me, it can be very hard for moms to wait. Sometimes the child will be too upset to continue the activity unless mom really helps him get cleaned up all the way first. In that case, I would let mom go ahead and wipe his hands with the cloth pretty well and then try to encourage him to get back into the activity and get back into the food again. I don't necessarily want him to fuss and get his hands cleaned up by mom as a result of fussing and then just get to walk away from and end the activity. I want the activity to end on our terms, even if it's sooner than I maybe originally hoped it would be. So before he becomes completely distraught and upset, find a way to end the activity on your and mom's terms. This can be done in a lot of different ways. Some examples might be having Blake help clean up the activity by placing all of the characters into the bowl of water, or at least he can put the very last one into the water to be cleaned up, or you can have him help clean up by placing the used paper towels into the trash can or having him place the food containers on the kitchen table. Something that has him interacting with at least one aspect of the activity. Make sure you give the direction of, for example, first put this car into the water and then we'll be done with this game. So first then statement can help him understand the expectation and the results which is what he is ultimately wanting, which is to be done with the activity. I just don't want to end on him crying or being upset or just saying he's done and walking away. We can wrap up the activity as soon as we need to, but by giving it a direction, it will show him that he doesn't just get to move away and we'll be done with it on his terms. After we put things away and allow Blake to decompress by having some time to play with his preferred activities or toys, Mom and I will talk about the plan. I would suggest to mom that she does this activity with him at least one time a week. If she wants to do it more often, that would be even better. But if she could start by trying to do it one time per week, that would be great. And I'm only putting that expectation or that hope of one time a week with mom because I know that one time a week is even going to be really hard for mom to do, especially without somebody there pushing her through it. I would also recommend that every day at one of his meals, 
she places approximately like one scoop or a tablespoon tablespoon of the pureed food that she is feeding him onto the high chair tray itself. He doesn't have to get messy and do this big production with it. Just scoops him onto the tray and feed him from the, the bowl as she typically would otherwise. This will allow him to have access to the food on his own terms. He can smell it if he wants to. He can touch it. I would encourage her to follow what we did during our play session, which is not to ask him to touch it or taste it off his tray. Just let it be there and available if he wants to. At the same time, she is feeding this food to him with a spoon. And I want her to leave any amount that happens to get on his lips and face while she's feeding him alone. Don't wipe it off. Don't scrape it off with the spoon. Just let it be there until he has finished eating the meal. Then she can offer him the napkin and show him how to wipe it off his own face, helping him as needed, but letting him try first. If she could have a, um, like a tabletop mirror or a tablet with a reverse camera or something available at the meals where he can see himself, that would be helpful too. This way he can see his own face and watch himself while he's eating and while he's trying to wipe the food off of his face with the napkin that'd be a little bit easier for him too. Mom can also encourage him to try and use his tongue to get the food off his lips and around his mouth if he isn't doing this yet either. This may be pretty hard, but eventually, um, hopefully he will get it. The process that I explained in this example today is to try and help mom and Blake with the feeding and tactile sensitivities. I want mom to see that Blake will ultimately be okay if she lets him get messy. And I want Blake to see that as well. Getting mom on board with the messy stuff is sometimes the biggest and the most important step in situations like this. If mom, and I say mom, but whatever the caregiver is, if mom won't do this with him, it will be more difficult to get the results that we want to see, which are that he will progress through eating different food textures and decreasing his sensitivities and his gagging with different foods. I want you to understand that this food play idea is only the first idea in a potentially long line of strategies and suggestions for this family. I would consider this only a very beginning starting point, and we'll continue to tweak it and change it as appropriate on a regular basis. Obviously, the example that I gave today is not the only way to handle this situation. This is just one example or option that may work for Blake. It also may not work for Blake, and we may have to end up trying something completely different. But hopefully this will give you at least one idea of a way that you can start working through some of the issues that a child like Blake might have. There are so many other ways that you could go about starting working with this family. I plan on um, having more shows coming up that might outline other case strategies, uh, case studies, and possible therapy strategies. As with anything we do, there is really no one right way to do it. And since each child and each family is unique, our strategies for helping them are also unique. I wanted to explain um, one more thing with the suggestion for this mom about placing some of the pureed food on his tray while she's feeding him. The reason that I say I want her to do to try this is because a lot of times kids will not want to 
put something in their mouth if they don't like the way it feels on their hands. However, this particular food that she's feeding him is something that he does like to eat and will already willingly and easily eat. So I hope that this will help him see that he's already putting this into his mouth or allowing mom to put it into his mouth. So he may be more willing to touch it with his hands since he likes it and is okay with eating it. Hopefully make that connection between the two things. And this may be especially true if he will do the messy play activities with her and if he will actually touch those foods. And hopefully maybe even taste them off of his fingers. I hope to give him the idea of tasting it off his fingers during the food play activity time and see if he will generalize that to the mealtime when the food is placed on his tray and is available for him to explore there with his hands if he wants to. I'm going to end there for today. Please send me an email if you have any suggestions on any other topics you would like to hear more about or if you have any questions um, about early intervention or occupational therapy with kids. Also, if you have any other ideas for this made-up kid named Blake, um, where you would start or things that you would think you would like to try with them, I'd love to hear them, and then I can share them on the next show. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.